0: Australia. Good evening, America, and welcome to everyone from across the world. A big hello to Russia and Germany today. This is A Conversation with cares and you are joined by myself, Tony Lontes, and the beautiful cares Wickham St. George. Now, before I get on and introduce our beautiful guest to you today, just a reminder, if you're watching or listening on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter and LinkedIn, Payo hey, is waiting to take your comments and to forward you uh, the links to anything that we talk about today, in particular, Lisa's children's books. Now, I'll be talking a little bit about that later, but what a great Christmas gift for the kids. Anyway, if you miss any of these live shows and you want to catch up, there's a number of places that you can see the shows. First being Binge Networks TV in the USA, Hero Go TV in the USA and on the Tony TV channel app on all LG, Samsung and Roku smart TVs across the planet. And a reminder that we love you to watch on YouTube and just a little bit of a shout out. Thank you, everyone who's subscribed. We've just hit 10,000 subscribers. And I know in the scheme of LinkedIn, that's not massive, but we're pretty excited about that. And we wanted to just big shout out to everyone who supports and listens to our collaborative collection of TV shows and interviews. Thank you ever so much. Kez and I are currently working on a little bit of a project for 2022, but we're not going to tell you anything about that until closer to Christmas time. Now, Kez, as you know, is my gorgeous co-host each and every week, and she has just released another book called Scribe, which we spoke about last week, and she also has a mini-movie almost ready to be released as well. Now, Kez is the driver of her own creativity, not only is she an author, an artist, but she helps loads and loads of people who want to write a book via her book coaching practices and as a book consultant. She is an amazing human being and I am absolutely delighted that she co-hosts this show with me. Now, today's guest is Letha van der and her favorite quote is one of mine and it's from Roland Dahl. Somewhere Inside of all of us is the power to change the world, and I absolutely believe that. But a bit more about Lisa: she is a writer of poetry, children's books, and stories. She's also a primary school teacher and the mum of two beautiful daughters. She's always been lucky enough to call the sunny state of uh, uh, so Western Australia her home, with Perth being where she's lived. Now, Lisa is passionate about working with children and has always had a love for writing. So with those things combined, they've led her to become a children's author. Lisa endeavours to write fun stories that inspire kids to learn Laugh and enjoy the magic of reading. Being a mom and a teacher of children in today's world is incredibly difficult, but it gives Lisa valuable insight into how prevalent anxiety in children is. Lisa believes her book, June, is her best writing yet and is excited to get it out to the world as soon as possible. The other thing that you need to know about Lisa is she is a proud and passionate supporter of local charities, including the Perth Children's Hospital, Ronald McDonald House Charities in Western Australia and Heart Kids. And we'll be talking a little bit about those things in the interview today. Now, June is a sweet and endearing story about how one little girl learns to conquer her anxiety. Sometimes it's hard for Grace to overcome her anxiety. She tries and tries, but nothing ever seems to help. But one day she visits the beach with her family and finds a cute little surprise in the sand dunes, which might change everything. Put your toes in the sand, you'll be okay. Let the ripples of water wash your worries away. A wave is a worry, a worry's a wave. Stand up and face it, learn to be brave. Why does this book matter? Well, we're going to talk about that with Lisa shortly. Good morning, Kez. Good morning, Lisa. Welcome to the show, ladies. Good morning. Good
1: morning, ladies. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to
0: be here. We are delighted to have you here, Lisa, and I'm going to hand over to the glorious cares for our first question. Over to you, cares Lisa, I didn't know that you live so close. I
2: really didn't. You're half an hour away from me.
1: Yeah, fellow <laughs> so West I, Australian. It's great.
2: Yeah, I often go swimming at your little beach as we just talked before and I go coffee with friends at the Dome, so I, yeah, next time it may be coffee with you and this from at the beach. who knows? Yeah,
1: that would be lovely.
2: So Lisa, it's lovely to have you here today as an author, a children's author. So why children's books and
1: why now? Okay, well, I am a teacher. I've been a teacher for about 20 years um, and I read a lot of books, so... Obviously, every day I'm constantly reading books with children, encouraging children to read. I've always loved reading myself. I've loved writing. Um, So it's really a passion of mine to to write stories and to share them with children. So I became a writer uh, about four years ago. I went through some really difficult times in my personal life. I had lots of health issues. I had open heart surgery. Um, I went into heart failure. I uh, had a congenital heart defect that was never oh. diagnosed. So I found in my recovery when I wasn't able to teach and I found myself going back to doing things that I loved doing and writing was one of those things. Um, and then during that time it was discovered that both my daughters inherited that congenital heart disease also. Oh. So it then became a passion of mine to right to then give back to these children's charities and that's also a reason why I have chosen to donate uh, part proceeds to charities like Heart Kids Australia and Ronald McDonald House charities here in Western Australia where I've done some work for them. Um, I've written a book about their resident dog Gus where um all of the proceeds go to uh, Ronald McDonald House WA. So I guess there's a bit of a backstory into how I became a writer and why I write for children, but I, I guess that there's a lot of purpose there for me and it's very meaningful. And I feel yeah. like if I can write stories that children enjoy reading and that have a nice moral message to them, then um it's actually an honour. So yeah.
2: It is. Yeah, it's a big honour. Yeah. Good on you. You. What about you've got another question for Lisa
0: Tony I do Lisa um in uh, talking about uh, your heart issue, how much of a shock was it for you and the family to discover a content- congenital heart issue that raised its ugly head in the middle of life
1: it was it was a huge um, discovery yeah it was huge I think um you know, Mum felt guilt that I was living all my life with this congenital heart disease, and it was never discovered. And um, and then I guess I felt that guilt for passing that on to my my children, which normally it isn't genetic. Yes. So um, there was some kind of mutation. Oh, no. So um, so we've been under genetic specialists and things like that. So, but it's all been a learning curve, and I think. For me, it's been about turning something that I've gone through into something positive, and if I'm able to then um, support other families and help out these charities um, going through things even even more difficult, um, then it's it's a positive. So yeah, exactly.
2: Lisa, if you can turn something around yeah. from a difficulty into a yes. positiveness, you're winning.
1: Yeah. Lisa,
0: what were the symptoms that manifested in you firstly and then when you discovered that the girls had the same genetic mutation, have they had symptoms? Do they have to have treatment?
1: Uh, So they're monitored. They're under cardiologists here and they're being monitored. Um, So as they get older, those symptoms um, become more apparent, mainly breathlessness with sport and things like that. Um, For myself, I was always a swimmer um, all my life, so I'm actually lucky that that probably kept me very healthy and kept my lung capacity uh, well. So those symptoms for me as I got older were more breathlessness, um, even just a bit of swelling, uh, heart palpitations and things like that.
2: Mm. Yeah. Um, And how did they discover it, Lisa? Um,
1: Well, actually, I was under uh doctors that couldn't work out what was wrong um, and luckily I found a physician that discovered straight away that I had I was born basically without an atrium in my heart so oh. um, I had to have surgery to, to fix that. So by the time it was discovered uh, my heart was enlarged and that's considered heart failure so, um, and then I had to have a few surgeries uh, after that. But like I said, in that time, it gave me time to go back to doing things I loved, and that was creative things like writing, painting, drawing, those sort of things. So excellent.
2: Yes, excellent.
1: Yeah, you sound like me. So I haven't got heart heart problems, but I do all those
2: <laughs> things as well. Once I was diagnosed with um, rheumatoid arthritis, it was like yeah. you know you go you go back and you think, what are my loves in life, love and what are my passions?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it's finding that purpose, isn't it? Uh, yes. And I think for me my purpose has always been to help others and being a teacher, mm. I love working with children, so mm. I felt like it was a calling for me to uh, to write stories for children. Yes. Yes, I agree.
2: Good on you. I can just Thank see you. you actually sitting up there writing away sort of plumped up with pillows thinking, what's wrong with me? Nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Lisa, um, in thinking about your teaching and you've been a, a wonderful teacher for a long time, I was thinking last night about you in this interview and I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, have you seen a rise in anxiety in children, particularly the children that you teach and what do you think that's related to?
1: Yeah, a huge increase in anxiety. I mean, out of a class of 30 students, I would say at least a quarter of those are suffering with some kind of anxiety disorder. And I think in the recent years, it's become really apparent for many reasons. I think the first would be technology, is obviously a big contributing factor, social media. Definitely. Um, and students feeling this pressure to be perfect perfectionism, Um, and I guess uh, they see images all the time of of what they should look like and and how they should feel. So I guess social media and technology has definitely been a contributor. I think the COVID situation, obviously, worldwide the last uh, couple of years has been a huge factor as well, Um, and I think society has changed. Um, You know, we have parents both working, um, working. the lifestyles are very, very different. Um, so there's lots of contributing factors. I think the other thing is too. I mean, I, my youngest daughter suffers with anxiety, so I guess I've I've seen that yes. from a perspective as a teacher and also as a parent now. Um, is that lots of babies are born prematurely? So uh, due to my heart issues, uh, both my daughters were born quite prematurely, and uh, premature babies now. Um, are being born a lot more at higher rates because the survival rates now are amazing. It's it's amazing what we can do now with some babies born from 24 weeks and so on, but that also puts them at high risk of um, neurological things like anxiety disorders and things too. So I think there's a whole range of factors that have probably contributed, and I think it's probably something that needs to have a little bit more study done. Um, I know the situation in Australia especially um, with regards to psychologists and psychiatrists available for children i know it's quite a dire situation australia-wide mm. for what is available um and i've heard that from a parent's perspective and, and a teacher's perspective i and guess you from know. The first as a mum, yeah mm. Mm. yeah wow
2: what a journey it
0: Lisa- it's often the teachers who are with the kids for those long periods of time that will be the first to notice when things aren't quite right. And and that's actually a quite a responsibility for teachers, isn't it? Like there's a lot of weight on teachers and, and, and what they do. And you guys are educating the next generations. It's a huge responsibility, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And the way a child is at school is often very different to how they are at home as well. So yeah, I think that education now is, or it always has been, it isn't just grades, it's, it's educating um, a person's health and mental health is a huge part of that. So I think if, to be a good teacher, you have to have the children's mental health number one priority because if they... Uh, well, mentally, then they're they're ready and able to learn. And if they're not, mm. and there's other issues and things going on, then you can't expect a child to take in that information and to learn from it. So, I think that a lot of people that aren't educators don't realise um, how much we need to, as teachers, um, encourage mm. uh, good mental health strategies and mindfulness and all of those things that I think need to be yeah. adopted more in our education system.
2: Mm, I agree. Mm. Very much so. I just found that I have uh, friends with young children um, and their anxiety levels are way up. And, I mean, they've got marvellous folks, got fabulous grandparents, um, and you have to sit back and think, why? You've really got nothing to worry about. Everything's looked after. Why are you so stressed? What's the anxiety problem? But I found one of them was actually carrying that badge of mental health health issues with, with pride. Because all her friends had it, so she wanted to be the same. You know, and I just, I thought, well, maybe it, it's touted so much now, you know, mental health problems. It really is out there, and I think the kids can pick and choose what they yeah. actually have. You know, until all that's actually discovered you know, and, and gone into, and, and, and by a counsellor or a psychologist, we really do need the experts on our side to find out exactly what the kids
1: have got. And I think with today's world, I mean, look at the technology with all of us being able to speak the way we are now um, using this technology. So in some ways we are more connected than ever. However, I feel that children today are often more disconnected than ever because even though we're connected digitally, they aren't connected in a sense where they are able to express their feelings and talk about things that might be on their mind and that's actually true. build meaningful connections with people. That's so I think true. maybe that's one positive thing that's come out of COVID too, mm. is um, forcing that connection and getting to know someone and going back to doing things with yeah. family that is so important.
2: I agree. Totally agree, yeah.
1: Absolutely. That so, Lisa, um, sorry,
2: Trina, go ahead. No, no, you go, Kez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> happy for you. Okay. So because you've seen an increase in anxiety specifically in the children you teach um, and it presents itself to you as you're teaching, how do you cope with this when you go home, when you're on your own?
1: Well, I guess then I have to adopt those mindfulness strategies and find things that allow me to switch off as well because often I'll be worrying about students well-being um mm. and I could go on my computer and I can email and I can continue to do work but it's really important for me to look after my mental health also so yes. obviously writing um and doing creative things Excellent. are a huge yeah. part of of keeping that mental health um being near the water going to the beach and swimming is another thing so it's just finding what and that's what I encourage my students to do is to find those things that make them feel relaxed, make them feel like they are being mindful and they're focusing on themselves. So Yes,
2: yeah, I agree. Totally agree with you. Gotta look after ourselves first and then can we serve serve other people? And yeah, I guess I mean right. what you're doing is serving other people. You're teaching their kids. So it's very important that you remain
0: on top. Yeah. Lisa, let's talk about June, your latest book. And before I, I get onto June, I just want to mention for the audience perspective that Lisa's list of published books includes Vegetarian Polony in 2017, Luna Lucy in 2018, Aqua Dog in 2019, The Life of Gus in 2019 luna lucy and the planets in 2020 aqua dog flames in 2021 and of course june which is what i want to draw the audience's attention to now tell us about the creation and writing of june
1: okay so all of okay Okay. so all of my books actually have a dog character in them i love writing about dogs Mm. Uh, they're my favourite animal and you can probably hear I've got my uh, poodle puppy right down here at the moment. So if you hear any noises, it's probably heard. <laughs> um, I find that, that children relate really well to characters like a dog um, in a book. So I like telling a story through them. So I was inspired to write June, obviously, because my youngest daughter suffers with anxiety and I've seen an increasing rate of it amongst my students. And... Mm. I can see the relationship that my daughter has with our dog and I could see how her anxiety actually improves when she is around our dog Mm
0: -hmm. and how
1: they're kind of a therapy in themselves. So I was inspired to write this story about a little girl who suffers with anxiety um, who was scared to go on the water. Um, The beach was another uh, favourite of mine, so that became a part of the story and how the beach and water is a great therapy also. So I sort of have tied in the, the story with the beach and the waves and the therapy of water along with a puppy. And I think it's probably my best writing yet. All of my stories I write in rhyme, but this one isn't in rhyme, but there is a little rhyme in it. I heard you read it before. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very Kids love rhymes, poem. don't they, Lisa? Yeah, they do. I think they remember them um, and it's an easy way for them to learn. So, yeah. So Alicia, and that,
0: that might also help their anxiety too if there's a little rhyme that they repeat in their mind when they're anxious. That leads to a, uh, might lead to a calming effect on them as well,
1: yeah? Yeah, absolutely because there's sort of a rhythm to it. It's a bit like some music is another great therapy as well, yeah, mm.
0: yeah. Yeah, I agree.
2: Music, music's great. You could should put that little rhyme to music and have it playing yeah. as the kids every so often just play it, so the kids can stop and jingle along with it. It'd be great. Yeah, thing. yeah. You That's should do idea. that in your school. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so when is it time to write for the adults that suffer with anxiety, Lisa?
1: Well, I think that is definitely um, a next project of mine. Um, I have another book that I'm currently writing, which is for Heart Kids, which is obviously something very close to my heart. So uh, once I've got that finished, I think my next focus will be I'm also writing a novel, which is more of an adult's novel but or middle-grade fiction maybe, um, but I would like to s- to delve into, I guess, my perspective as a parent and a teacher dealing with this, I feel like I've got lots of information that could be helpful. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly felt a bit of a calling and something that I'm passionate about. And that's mental health um, with children. And obviously uh, parenting is a big part of that. Yes. I agree.
2: But do you find that when you're going to write for adults, I mean you have to be, you have to change from kid talk to adult talk. And sometimes I, I've written a kid's book and, and I didn't find it really all that different. I didn't find the switching of um, trying to get the children and the adults to understand the same book. I didn't find that all that hard. I found kids are so well prepared today because our teaching system is very different, but they learn differently too. And I, I sort of put that down to a lot of anxiety as well because they they learn so fast. It's all just jammed in there especially with digital work, you know, they're working online from school and that, I just find, um, yeah, I don't know, there's just something in the air that says, you know, something's got to stop and everybody's got to take a big breath. I think COVID did that. I really do. I think we all just took a big breath and stepped back, and I think the kids were really grateful too. Although they can't tell you that, I think something happened between families and kids, and we all just took that big breath.
1: Yeah, definitely. We live in a very fast-paced world, and I guess mm. if there's a positive we take from what's happened, it's to take mm. that step back and and focus on what's important in, in life. And obviously, that that is love, relationships, connection, and family mm. and friends. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I've got so many friends that have said to me, although this may sound weird, I wish it was back to COVID again because there was six weeks of total peace, just me and the kids and dad <laughs> at home playing just oh, there was nothing else to do but play. I mean you could work online. I mean most of us adults took work home and we worked online but mum and the kids were playing and how important is that for a relationship and even in your books, you know, the, the little rhyme you've got there, the little jingle, um it's a playful thing. And I mean when Tony was reading it, I was actually sort of thinking, oh that's quite cute. Actually I could bop along to that. So
0: yeah, it's it um
2: yeah, it is it's gorgeous. So well done! I still think Thank put you. it to music and play it every five or every half hour in the class. Get the kids to tap along to the music. <laughs> That's
1: we do great use a lot of idea, mind, kids. We use mindful That's music. Um, the school that I work at, we do a lot of mindfulness, so we have that mindfulness time every day for ten minutes. So, yeah. mm. and now Christmas fantastic. is fantastic. Our-
2: well, Christmas, is, as so Lisa was saying, is sort of um you can't really talk about it in school anymore because of the different religions. So you just put that on, <laughs> make it a, a Christmas jingle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might, might have to employ you to write the music then for me, yes. <laughs> oh, I don't
2: write music. No, oh. like, I, I play drums and you don't put that to
0: drums. <laughs> yeah. No, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, in talking about June, um, you're doing something a little different with this book and we're calling it a Kickstarter project. Can you tell the audience about why Kickstarter and why with this book, June?
1: Okay, so Kickstarter is really a form of crowdfunding um, and Mm -hmm. I know that Even myself in the past, I've been reluctant to back Kickstarter projects because um, you think, well, where is my money going? Um, What happens if that project doesn't go ahead? But basically um, because my books are self-published, so I write the yes. books myself and then I seek out an illustrator for my books so then I have to pay an illustrator and then I publish the books yep. myself. So I take on all of those costs before I can publish and get that book out to the world. Yeah. So because I'm really passionate about this story and feel that the sooner I can get this out to the world, the better, um, I have given a go to start a Kickstarter project. So that, so basically people can pre-purchase the book um, and we've got some oh, little rewards yeah. in there like colouring pages and all sorts of things, uh, digital copy, copies of the book, uh, author, teacher resource pack with, for anxiety and people would receive their books in February. So I can guarantee that people will get their books. So I'm really wanting people to get behind this project so that I can get this book out to the world. And I guess the more backing I get for the project, the more I can do with the book. Um, the more accessories and things I can and do yes. for the book. Like I yeah. have little dogs, characters that I've um, got for oh. some of my other stories. So oh. I'd love to be able to create those for, for June also. So that's why and I'm running the Kickstarter. I mean
0: the, the audience probably doesn't realise, um, so both Kez and I are self published authors that means we use our own money to get the book out to the public i'm not sure that the greater wider audience realizes that that is the way in which most authors publish nowadays is to do it themselves and that has a financial cost for each of us Absolutely. and if we don't support authors particularly uh in the different ways that they try and fund publication of their books we won't get these amazing books out into the world right. and if that starts to happen the world is a much worse in a much worse place because we don't get Mm -hmm. to read these stories we don't get to read these stories to our kids and I was thinking when I had a look at their kickstarter um program uh project and for those listening to the links to Lisa's kickstarter project for june will be in the talking notes and as we're talking for those of you listening live ko will put the links in the comments so that you can readily click and pre-order those books i was looking at it yesterday thinking oh that's going to be what i'm going to do that as one of the gifts for my grandson who's who's five And so that he starts to have a knowledge about mental health, even from this early age, because if he has a knowledge and understanding, he won't be like his nana, i.e. me, that doesn't do anything with their mental health until they hit 40 and have a breakdown. I don't want that for our kids. I don't want that for my grandson's generation I want them to know and understand that it's okay to have an issue that it's fixable that you can work with it and that you can have an amazing life despite of it and it shouldn't carry the stigma that I suffered from because of anxiety and depression Mm. all of my adult life it needs to be accepted as high blood pressure is like nobody blinks if you say I've got high blood pressure nobody blinks if you say I have to take medication to keep my blood pressure down it's an accepted and normal part of life that's what we need to be that's where we need to be with mental health isn't it Lisa
1: yeah definitely and that's why I'm so passionate about getting this story out to the world because I feel that anxiety is really something that all of us have because it is a worry. So we all have worries. Some of us have more worries than others. Some of us have better coping mechanisms than others. Um, Some of us are more genetically predisposed to anxiety and things like that. But I I think get that message out to the world that we all have worries of some kind, whether it's a fear of something, whether it's a fear of sharks or the beach or spiders or insects or Whether it's worrying about mum and dad or whether it's worrying that you aren't going to be perfect enough, we all have worries and anxiety. So I think if we can get that message out to children at a young age to know that that's actually a normal part of life and it's part of building resilience and being honest and open and communicating about it, Mm -hmm. then I feel that um, if I can help children and help them adapt some strategies early on in their life, it can help them throughout their life when they go into high school, um, when they get older. If they already have those coping me- mechanisms in place, um, it's a big step to coping with the resilience of life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It Definitely. is very much so. And that's the last two
0: years of, of sh- if, if the last two years have shown us anything, that nothing is guaranteed and we need to be building resilience into our children so that mm-hmm big things that happen in life like a pandemic doesn't completely um, destroy their uh, their thoughts around the wonderfulness of life, Ooh. yeah?
1: Yeah, you can hear my dog barking <laughs> in the background. Um, and also, Tony, going back to what you were saying about publishing books and self-publishing. Yes. My first book was actually published traditionally, so I've been down both paths. Okay. So yes. that book was... Uh, published through a publisher um, and for those that aren't aware it's about 15% that you earn uh, as a royalty uh, through a publisher and you have very very little control over that book, um, how it is illustrated, how it turns out.
0: Correct. Right.
1: So All right. that. Then led me down the path of self publishing for my future books mm. because I felt that I wanted to have more control over what I wanted the books to look like, mm. how they were illustrated, who they were illustrated by, and so on. So mm. I think um, that's the way a lot of authors are going these days, um, especially now that we live in a world where it's uh, print well, on demand. Can. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I must the have the publisher things- from
2: heaven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kez. I was just gonna say, then there's other people like Kez who have the publisher from heaven. Um, <laughs> so Kez has also done both ways as well. Yeah, yeah. Um and and in thinking of so you within every book that you write is yes. part of your soul and part of your Absolutely. personality. Yes, yeah. And yeah. only you know your desire. Around that book, and so that's where that whole uh, uh, creative journey sits—is with you. And it doesn't matter how um, amazing most publishers are, with the exception of Kids' Publisher, uh, <laughs> they still—they're not always going to get your desire, are they, Lisa? They're not always going to get the way that you want that that picture or that illustration to appear on that page. Um, no, and that's yes, right. that's why so many authors self-publish is because they are passionate about the way their book feels, is printed, is formatted, is edited, all of those things that go into a book. and it should mm-hmm. be your creative journey and not and your vision versus a publisher. except I'll throw to cares now because then she can tell you what her publisher uh, in terms of, of books,
1: I think it's also that you can choose who you collaborate with as well. Like I have collaborated with some amazing illustrators. So June is illustrated by Mm. Alison Mutton, who is a West Australian illustrator. She actually illustrated my Acadog series as well. So self-publishing allows you to choose who you collaborate with. And also it's a time factor. So. Some of my stories yes. I, I could have pursued through getting published traditionally, but I was told it could be at yes. least three years, up to three yes. years before my book gets out there to That's the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, especially with this book, June, I want to get it out to the world as soon as possible because I feel that children of today need mm-hmm. to read a story like this. So I don't want to wait to get it out there. So I guess this Kickstarter project is going to help me get it out to mm-hmm. the world and get that book published
2: i certainly hope so it sounds like it's a wonderful book i hope it gets out there very soon i mean Thank i haven't you. read your books lisa i i didn't know of you until Tony introduced us and i mean i don't know every author here in WA there's thousands of us here COVID has really brought them out of the woodwork um so yeah and, and i'm meeting more and more i mean i'm not a great one for networking because COVID stopped that and i found it really hard to, hard to stop the, start those wheels again to go out and network once more and meet a lot of people But I wasn't the only one. Um, I found, you know, you turn up somewhere there'd be three, but there used to be thirty. So the people I have met in my life, where it comes to publishing, um, I've had four different publishers um, with all my books. Now I've got, um, I've got about twelve books out there at the moment, and each one I've had to realise that I'm dealing with a different mindset. I'm dealing with different also. Uh, anxiety issues. I, I call my publisher now. She's from heaven. She doesn't seem to have anxiety. She's got six kids and doesn't seem to suffer with anxiety. And I think, how do you do it? I mean, I've, I've got one grandchild running around <laughs> now and again. Like, ah, I'm, I'm full of anxio- anxiety. So, anyway, um I, what I, with my very first publisher, it was a nightmare. Now, he was traditional. He was, he was going to pay me. And that's where people, you know, people like, not like us that have had the experience, but people that start off writing, they need a mentor that says, well, it's, it's not the dream you think it's going to be. You know, we're not all Harry Potter authors. We're not all, um, you know, Jane Talbot authors. We're not. We have to get the, the recognition before our books are bought. And the way to do it is on places like this, you know, putting yourself out there without having to go into a room of 30 people to hand your business cards around. This is the way to do it. It's um, your publisher is very, very much um, has to be hand in hand with you. So I haven't had a, well my first my first experience with publishing was a shocker. It was awful. And I thought if this is what being an author is all about, I don't want to do it. But the writing, the creative book was still there. So then I found another one. There were two guys in England. They put me right through Europe at no cost. Now, you couldn't ask for anything better. So I went right through Europe with, with um, one of my children's stories and one of my uh, paranormal stories. And then they closed, They got so popular, closed their doors. And, um, and then what do you do? Because you've met someone that's, that's doing what you want them to do, then what do you do? Mm. So, I another a woman knocked on my door, and she she was local. She lives here in Rockingham. I I want I want to be a publisher. So, with the little little knowledge I had of publishing, I trained her in writing and publishing, and she was she still is doing very very well. But um, what arrived out of her journey and publishing was chronic anxiety. And you wouldn't afford it because she was she was a, a mum of, I think, four, happily married, beautiful home, everything. You know, her husband was fully employed. She was now employed. And you think, you've got it. You've got it all. But she didn't because the DNA in her system erupted and it was all too much. So, you know, she kept passing out. And then we found out she had heart problems as well, which hadn't been recognised as a child. So she'd gone all through her life. Um, she'd be at a meeting and she'd suddenly go she'd get these these blue lips and I'd say you're all right and she'd go yeah I'm fine I'm fine but I knew she wasn't um she'd get heart palpitation so like you it was she was an adult and it had their four kids before it was discovered Mm -hmm. so I guess you know whoever you're dealing with as a publisher is um or whoever you deal with to get your books out there we have to realise that we all have very many different issues. Even I have anxiety now and again. Mm-hmm. I know it's there. I can feel it bubbling away and I think, calm down, have a glass of water, breathe deeply, you'll be okay. But, you know, it's, um, today's world is very, very different from when I first started writing because when I first started writing, um, my employer said to me, I'd like to publish you, but you have to, I had to write it, I was an artist then, so I did the artwork. I had to um, print it. I had to um, make a book myself and present it to the firm. And they said, yes, we'll sell it for you. That's not publishing. (laughs) That's just making use of my skills. So you have to be, um, as you said, really careful about who you employ to work with you and understand that they have issues too. If they can't make it on time, then they come. It's no good you getting upset about it. There's some beautiful illustrators here that I have a lot to do with um, in WA. And I'm jealous. Their work is amazing. You know, I I feel like I'm an an infant next to them with my little bits that I do. Um, But, yeah, they're amazing people. So well done on choosing someone that you can actually work with. It's so important that we, we work together and hold hands to get these books out. That's what yeah, it's all thank you talking about is getting the books out. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And working with Alison Mutton, she's amazing. So when I send my manuscript script across to her, I often just have a very limited notes on what I want the characters and to look like. And she yeah. somehow always comes up with exactly how I envision it to be. So even the cover of June, I actually didn't tell her what I wanted um, the girl to look like, or what I wanted the puppy to look like, but basically she came up with exactly as how I envisioned it myself. So, you
2: if, you, if oh, you've yeah. got time, how cool is if, that? Yeah, if you've got time one day. Look up uh, an author called Diana Smith. She lives in Two Rocks, um, yes. and she, she writes about dogs as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I might follow her on some of the social media sites. Yeah,
2: she's marvelous, you know. And yeah. and also she's um. I used to mentor Diana so yeah. she's now she's got rhymes like your little rhyme here yeah she's got rhymes in her book that are actually vocalized so yeah. i don't know how she's done mm-hmm. it i know she's mm-hmm. done it with other people working with other people mm-hmm. again um diana's had anxiety and stress in her life uh, yeah. and it stopped her from from doing exactly what she, and that's when she said how do you do it so you know, it was like this is how I do it, take a big break, step back and see who you really are, go deep, see who what you want to do with your wisdom, and, and I'm so proud of you for doing that with your wisdom. Yeah,
1: thank you. Well, hopefully mm-hmm. if I get some more backers uh, with the Kickstarter project, that oh, might won't. be something that I could look, look at doing um, is collaborating with um, a local musician or someone that can mm-hmm. help me with yeah. those lyrics, oh. turning it into some kind of musical jingle or some kind of song that kids can sing also.
2: Go
0: to Black Studios. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Oh. I'm giving all the local information. No, I just, <laughs> no, no. I was just going to, I was just, two things I was thinking. My goodness, how creative is Western Australia as a, a state and in particular Perth because we talk to lots of uh uh, people from Perth and lots of authors and artists. And then secondly, I was reading just recently about something that we'll start, we'll start to see a bit more, and that is video books. And when I was um, prepping for our interview, I thought, wow, wouldn't Lisa's book make good? video books for kids, seeing we have all this technology around and seeing as and part of the thing with kids and and writing for kids is that physical feeling of opening a book and reading it together Mm. or or reading it by themselves. Mm. But if this video books idea were to take off, what an amazing thing for kids. So rather than watching whatever it is that they watch on tv they could watch a video book and still have the same story and reading etc etc and the ability to read because you could put the from what i remember you can put the words on the screen as well but Mm. it's a video versus um a physical book so there's amazing technology out there for the kids and the kids of the future and i'm guessing too lisa that Some of those technologies you'll start to see within teaching um, and and already probably are seeing the technology come through in teaching. Um, I know that um, my daughter in in preparing the grandson for school next year was talking about iPads and that they need an iPad and I'm like, oh, my goodness, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the
1: time I teach year six so a lot of the kids are actually teaching me. And they'll say, Miss V, you need to create this character on Procreate. So they show me how to use Procreate, which is a drawing program, a digital drawing program, and some of their drawings are amazing. So they're often educating me on what my next character for a book should look like. (laughs) And even in videos and some of the apps that they can use now to create um, little cartoons and things like that, it's amazing. So that's definitely the way the world is going with technology.
2: A a, a DVD is still popular?
1: No. No. We don't need DVD players now. (laughs) No, I just handed a whole lot of stories
2: on DVD and I thought, I wonder if it's still popular.
1: No, because everyone just downloads things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The The button.
0: Yeah, versus... Yeah, yeah. Lisa, do your grade sixes? Um, do you actually use laptops and iPads, etc. Yeah, both mainly devices iPads. in?
1: Yeah. Okay. So and do you iPads use
0: that mainly. as part of your daily teaching program as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of the reading material now is uploaded, and the students are able oh. to read things directly on their iPads. So a bit like Kindle, I I guess, where people can download stories. So we are able to upload worksheets, um, upload uh, reading material and information directly, and they can download it straight away and read it from there.
2: Mm. Amazing. It's amazing, yeah. But I still think there is something beautiful about a child. You know, do you remember, I don't know if you would remember them, Lisa, but I used to have pop-up books. So I'd open the book and the picture would actually (laughs) pop up. And I used to be, you know, and I still, I can't believe that the children have lost that surprise at seeing a, a picture that pops up at you. I
1: can't believe Yeah, that. We're actually going to have a go at wow. doing that with my students this week with some pop-up Christmas cards because nice. I was actually nice. thinking yeah. about that, yeah. Yeah.
2: Because when well, I was in Singapore, when in Singapore that's what they, they were selling them on the street, pop-up cards, and I bought lots yeah. of them. And I and when my friends got them when I got home again, it was like, that's amazing. So it's, it's <laughs> going back to nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties with pop-up books and, and singing books, you know, open the old book up and something at the back went click and this little silly voice would start singing to you. And I thought, has that all been lost?
1: Well I now it's we have 3D what? printers, so that'll I be was the next thing.
0: Say. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be <laughs> yeah. the 3D, they'll be able to 3D print the characters from Lisa's books and yeah. the Lisa's books will come in digital form with a holographic pop-up, Kez. That's what will happen. It'll yeah. be a holographic pop-up of the puppy or the child from Lisa's books. That's what will happen, I reckon.
2: They've got that in Japan already.
0: We <laughs> yeah. have the holistic,
2: holistic thing. They've got it in Japan. Um, a phone call. You make a phone call and an image of you pops up. So you actually talk to the MS oh, while you're on the phone. Oh, my
0: wow. goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lisa, That's let's just happen. add that for the Kickstarter project. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Might <laughs> a, a few more backers.
0: book of June. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa... Before we run out of time, we've got five minutes left, but I just want to really make sure that people jump onto the Kickstarter project because the, I just want you to quickly run through the additions, um a, a, as part of that project. So what they get besides the book and the resources that you've attached to June for helping teachers and parents with anxiety. Can you run through that again for me, please?
1: Yeah, so depending on how much someone wants to bid, so it could just be a dollar, it could be $3 to download the ebook. Um, but yeah. if you then donate $5, you get the ebook and colouring pages. Um, and then as the amounts go up, those add ons increase. So I've actually created a little pencil case that has a wave with that quote A wave is a worry, a worry is a wave, stand up and face it and learn to be brave. So a pencil case um, is an add on. And I've created a teacher resource pack on anxiety and some health lessons (laughs) that teachers can then use the book with. Um, So, as well as coloring, coloring in pages, and obviously signed paperbacks. Wow! Fantastic,
0: Lisa. Yeah, I just I love that little. I love that little rhyme. I have to say that little rhyme on a pencil case. I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get that. So. I've made my decision now. I need the pencil case for my (laughs) five-year-old grandson. That's all there is to it.
2: (laughs) I love it. A wave is a worry and a worry is a wave. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah, It's just an analogy and I I know the beach. I know the beach for myself. When I go to the beach, I love swimming and I love being in the water and I guess um, I feel it take my worries away when I'm there. So that was a little bit behind how I came up with the idea for it. Nice. Making a magnetic sign on the side oh. of your have all your details there as well. So yeah, well, that might you be drive, things that there. I can add to the Kickstarter, little fridge magnets and yeah, yeah, sorts yeah, of little yeah, accessories. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would yeah. be great to get a little dog made up. This is the one from Gus, uh, Ronald McDonald House, but yes. I'd love to get a little June puppy made up like this also. But again, it'll depend on how much backing we it's can get. Love. Yeah.
0: Kids love that stuff, number one, and number two, it helps them to ingrain in their mind, um, like a jingle such as a worry is a wave, um, and it helps it Stick in their brain, and if you can do that as a young child, that'll last them through to adulthood, won't it? Because yeah, some of those jingles right. that we learned mm. in kindergarten, uh, we mm. can still recite without mm. too much issue. Uh, and that's when it started when we were young children. And so, I see the power of your books, Lisa, in, in helping uh, ground some of that information into a child's mind. So, well mm-hmm. done, you. Thank yeah. you. Well done.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks. I want to see more of you.
2: I want to see your books and <laughs> bookstores.
1: Yeah, thank
0: you. Thanks, Kiss. Yeah, you um, Lisa. Currently, the other books. Where can they buy all the other books outside of June? Where can they buy them?
1: So they're available on Amazon, so all of them are available on Amazon and most online bookstores. There are a couple of local bookstores, New Edition in Fremantle, I know, stock my books um, occasionally. So it's hard to get them in store in local bookstores because unfortunately it's mostly online these days and printing on demand. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, that will be the next step, but hopefully I can get lots of copies of June in store in local bookstores. That would be a fancy. big job. A big and- job. I wish you well. Thank you.
0: And again, for people listening today, the link to Lisa's Kickstarter project for June will be in the live listening notes. Wherever you're watching this um, video uh, of the show, it will be in the notes attached to the show and failing that, tonylontas.com and look under guests and you will see Lisa's information, all her books and all the links as well. So a number of ways you can connect with Lisa. We've also got Lisa's email address. If you want to email her personally, I'm sure she would love to hear from you, love to hear words of encouragement and particularly considering that a lot of Lisa's books are either donate directly to Uh, heart kids uh, kids hospitals and helping kids in lots of different ways lisa um i know we talked earlier and just quickly you have had those initial thoughts around writing for adults do you think we'll see an adult book in 2022
1: Absolutely. That's the aim. I think I have a big story to tell myself, um, my personal life and things that I've been through. So I'd really like to get my story out to the Mm -hmm. world and how I guess I've overcome adversity and tried to turn that into a positive. So uh, I'd really love to get that story out to the world. Fabulous.
0: And yeah. you'll promise us that you'll connect with Kez and I again when you do an adult book because we'd love to have you on yes. the show again to talk about that. Um, again, with the book both ahead. Both of us are very, yes, yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. Maybe I have to collaborate with Kez to get that out to the world to get my real You're welcome. Out I was You're just, just <laughs>
0: absolutely, I was just going to say, if you have got need to talk to Kez, Kez, uh, consults and mentors and she is really beautifully brilliant at, at that, as well as writing really, really well. I, there are huge numbers of authors that we've talked to that have either started with CARES, continued with CARES, or taken their book completely through to publication with CARES's help. So I encourage you to do that. And also any of the audience that's listening, and since we're talking about books and, and publication and the difficulty for authors in getting their books out there, we, we don't ever want to have a world where it's difficult for authors mm. to write publish and get their books out to the world because Mm -hmm. once that stops we have a very worse off world and a very Mm -hmm. um unprepared humanity Mm -hmm. books and stories are important to Mm -hmm. humanity and the continuation of humanity Um, girls we are out of time completely lisa thank you so much for your time we really appreciate Kes, my gorgeous co-host thank you once again you're welcome Um, audience That's your lot for this week. Please don't forget to jump onto Lisa's Kickstarter project and let's get June published and out into the world as quickly as possible. Lisa, we look forward to talking to you again in 2022. Kez, thank you so much. And that, my friends, is your lot for this week. See you all again next week. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye.